Rotane podcast. Hey, Gang Rotane. I wanted to tell you about another podcast, the MarTech podcast, hosted by Benjamin Shapiro, brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network. I was a guest on this podcast, and he talks through marketing and stories around world-class marketers using technology to generate growth and achieve business and career success. Um, he's got a ton of stuff around data-driven marketing, blurring the lines between sales and marketing. I had one around customer success. So listen to the MarTech podcast wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Welcome back, everybody. This is Jay. Welcome to the Gangrel Retain podcast. Uh, today, I'm joined by uh, a friend in Israel, Arel Laor, uh, who is Ziv Pellid. If you know Ziv, he's the chief customer officer for Apps Flyer. Uh, based in in Israel, he's Ziv's chief of staff, and we thought it'd be fun to have Aurel on and just talk about what that is and uh, the sort of the, the growth that Apps Flyer has had and what customer success means there. Just some, this is a really cool company. If you follow them at all, you know it's a really interesting company. If you don't follow them, I suggest you do follow Ziv, follow Aurel on LinkedIn. Um, but welcome to the show. Aurel, good to see you. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm honored to be here. I'm an enthusiastic listener uh, awesome. to your content. So, so honored to be here and happy to be here. That's awesome. Yeah, we, we, the podcast has grown pretty significantly. We have about 10,000 people who listen every month now. So ho- hopefully a year from now, we'll come back and tell you it's like 50,000. So we'll, we'll keep going. But thanks for being on. You make it better. Uh, all right, quick icebreaker question for you um, so people can get to know you just a little bit. Jeopardy, the show Jeopardy. I checked to make sure you you knew what this show was. But if there was a Jeopardy category that you would just dominate, besides B two B SaaS, what would that be? Um, so I think hospitality, uh, mainly restaurant business. Ah. I was in the in the restaurant business for fifteen years, so uh, you can call me a foodie. Uh, you can call me a good host. So everything around that. That's my uh, second uh, most okay. favorite. Yeah, that is awesome. So this was these are like high end restaurants, like really really quality dining experiences for the most part. Yeah, definitely. So just okay. a few months ago, I was visiting the the U.S. both San Francisco and and New York, and I had a list of restaurants. I had to go one by one. It was six restaurants a day. Uh, oh my yes, gosh! Then. <laughs> yes. that's uh, awesome not, not an easy task but that's that's my favorite thing when i'm not working uh, at upslayer <laughs> okay do, do you cook as well yeah yeah you do. I'm, I'm not the best chef in town uh, but definitely i love it and i love fresh ingredients so yes uh, food is a is a is a, another uh, love of my life that is awesome okay well you've got to come have you been to charleston south carolina not yet okay you got to come to charleston because you know like Charleston is, it's okay. It's probably, it's, it's probably on par with New York and San Francisco in many ways. We have hundreds of high-end restaurants here. So you come down, we'll help you figure out where to go for sure. We'll give you another yeah. list. We'll do that. And, and the most important thing is to also to test the, the local food, right? The local yes. speciality. So I'll come to you and you will recommend where to go. Yes, absolutely. Lots of seafood down here. So Awesome. Well, let's, let's jump into it. So uh, as we were prepping here for the call, we talked a little bit about the um, chief of staff role. And uh, it's, a, it's a role that I'm hearing more and more that chief customer officers and other executives in 
especially fast growing companies are are having. So I'd love to hear more about just how, how you, well, what was your first role at, at apps flyer? And then how did you decide, how did you and Ziv and team decide that you needed something called chief of staff? And then what is that? So we'll start there. What was your first role? Cool. So as I joined apps flyer a bit more than three years ago, and I was the project manager in the marketing team. I had some experience in the field and they, they gave me the chance to join the team doing a lot of uh, owning the projects, defining frameworks, uh, the developing processes and so on. And, and during those uh, couple of years working there, I met Ziv uh, in, in, uh, in one case and discussed a bit of CS philosophy or CS vision. And he was mumbling some, some ideas and writing <laughs> some stuff on the board, on the whiteboard and showing me some ideas. And I was fascinated, really fascinated. And then after the meeting, I went back to my, to my seat in the open space and I drafted some slides that can explain his ideas in a way that I think people will better understand. And when I came back to him, he said, wow, you can explain me. This is amazing. Let's <laughs> start work together. <laughs> exactly. That's awesome. So, okay. Yeah. So that was the kickoff of that relationship. It all started there. And so the project management team, was that a not in Ziv's organization at the time? No, no okay. it was part of the marketing, doing some uh, go-to-market activities, oh, okay. uh, launching new products. And, and there was a lot of marketeers around me and there are crazy ideas and how to, to talk about the product. And I was building the process internally, how to do that, what do you need and, and when to approach which team member. It was, it was a nice episode, but again, I was looking to move to something more strategic. And the moment I met Ziv and we felt that connection and maybe your last question will be, what's the best criteria to, to, for, to find your chief of staff? So maybe it's that connection because we yeah. felt it. And, and then I knew that that will be my next role to work with Ziv. I didn't know what's chief of staff back then, uh, but that was the moment that I understood I'm moving from marketing to CS. Okay, very, very cool. So, okay, but before we get too deep into that, tell. So you, how did you get from food service into technology <laughs> marketing? Like that, that seems like a leap. Were you using the technology? So I, I was a geek when I was very young, a good geek, playing my computer, assembling it yep. and then yep. building it myself, you know, and then in the university learning the first degree in physics. And I was, uh, I had the need to, to pay my rent. So I went and, and was a waiter. And I was a good waiter and then a bartender and then a shift manager and then a restaurant manager. And then after 15 years, I look back and I said, wow, what happened in the last 15 years? I was hosting and, and, and giving people the, the evening experience they, they wanted so much. But then I look to that side and, oh, I have a partner and a kid and I'm working evenings and, and nights and, and maybe I need to do something with what I have learned and, and the geek that was hidden inside of me. So I just decided, let, let's go back to, to, the, to the true nature of myself, to the geekiness of myself <laughs> and said goodbye to the restaurant business. I even had my own restaurant and I, I sold my shares and I was looking for the next episode and I knew it would be in tech. And uh, it was another company before AppSlayer, but when I go to AppSlayer as a, as a product company, as a sauce company, yeah. I really found the place I need to be. This is the best place for me to be. That's cool. All right. So yeah, great. Now, now you just get to enjoy restaurants. You don't have to deal with the headache of operating them, which exactly. I'm sure is welcome, right? Given your, that's great. <laughs> yeah, All right. So, back, then, 
Back no, then, go I ahead. was kind Sorry. of a celebrity in the business. So when Where I came you? to a different restaurants in Tel Aviv, you say, ah, that's Aurel, the owner of, the manager of. Now they don't know me anymore. Oh, but interesting. there's also no pressure, right? You come as yeah. a guest. You yeah. just enjoy. You eat good. You enjoy the atmosphere. And that's it. Well, there's so much that I worked for a company at one point and hospitality. It was a, actually, it was a company that sold to restaurants and retail and hospitality uh, organizations, basically. And, and one of our core values was hospitality. We wanted our customers to feel hospitality from us. So it translates well into that, that theme or that, that value translates really well into customer experience and customer success, doesn't it? Definitely. You, I, I cannot agree more. And when I came to here to the marketing team as a project manager, I felt as a customer success for the other marketeers, they came to me with issues. How do I go to market with a new launch I have? And I say, okay, let me help you succeed in your goal, right? So I felt all my experience in being a good host and making sure that the, the whole experience is amazing for the guest. I did the same as in the marketing team as a project manager. And then when Ziv started to talk with me about customer success, I felt, oh, this is what I did. I didn't know I was kind of a customer success manager internally in the marketing and before that in the restaurants. But there's an actual profession that that's what we are doing. We give other people the chance to get the most of what they need to do, right? Yeah, such a great tie-in. So, okay, so you, you go have this meeting with Ziv. You basically take his mad scientist scribbling on the whiteboard. You turn it into a beautiful, concise presentation and you turn it back to him and he's, the light bulbs go off. So how, how far into your tenure were you at that point in time? And then how long was it before you became his chief of staff? So from that point, it was quite fast. It was around a year and a half after I joined Opslier. And just a few months later, I, I became his chief of staff because that moment, that eureka moment that gave the both of us the understanding that we can do something together because I can understand him. We tried a bit more and we did a few more presentations, some internal, some, some external, started working together. I was like, give me, give me, feed me with ideas, give me more. And I was like, okay, what can I do with that? How can I presented that someone that is not in Ziv's mind can easily understand what he wants. And after a few more successes, we knew uh, together. So if two, three months after we, we had that moment, uh, we, we started working together as a team. It sounds to me like you have a, a gift for enablement. Does that, <laughs> does that resonate with you? Uh, yes, yes. And I think maybe it's not enablement. It's also serving someone what he expect to, to hear in a way. Yeah. Um, also, also as a project manager, you know, I'm, I'm sitting in a room with ton, 10 different stakeholders, uh, organic, promotions, design, dev, uh, PR, they all have different expectations, they all yeah. have different requirements. And I can sit there and see, okay, that's how we should launch this project. Who should hear what and when? So enabling and also understanding what's their expectations. So putting myself in their shoes very easily and then serving them with the knowledge they do, they need and do want. I think that there's a big piece of empathy to that too, which is common in our industry. You have to have that. So um, no, that, that that's, um, I love it. I, lo I love the, the background and the transition. So you, when we were catching up in the pre-show, you mentioned you were the first chief of staff and you had to really 
help the company figure out what that was or what that was going to be at apps flyer. So talk a little bit about, you know, the transition into that role and, you know, how did the rest of the team respond? How did other departments respond? And then what is your job? Like, what do you actually do on a day-to-day basis now? Amazing. Maybe the last question is the most common question I hear. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but let's start from the beginning. I think that for me, it was also new. I, I, I know Chief of Staff as a, as a name of a role from a TV series, uh, right? The President Chief of Staff from the White House and, and shows like that. So I had something in mind, but it's not something I can imagine happening here. So the first thing I did is, is when trading and, and learning and watching videos and some uh, success stories of chief of staff globally. I think the most impressive one was um, the first one that did it in LinkedIn. The, the CEO, chief of staff have a nice course online of what is chief of staff. And it was very inspiring for me to see that there's a lot of freedom. There's a lot of greenfield in where to go with that role. And, and that was the, the first thing that made me understand, wow, this is an amazing opportunity for me because it's not set in stone what are the guidelines what is the role what is the actions you're doing in a day basis but it's up to you and your boss to decide together how to make the most of the impact so that was the first thing we did together and then we try to define some some areas that we will try to do together and we marked the main issues that we have challenges around so the capacity of ziv became an issue now that we had back then more than 200 team members in the CS organization, and he cannot meet them enough and face-to-face, not in a group level and also not on a personal level. Also communication, how to communicate with those 200 people in the most effective way. Is it in a direct messaging um, platform like Slack or, or WhatsApp? Is it by email? Is it by Zoom? Is it a monthly basis, quarterly basis, weekly basis? and the leadership and the different levels. So communication as a whole was a big topic. Also a lot of coordination with other departments. He cannot attend all those meetings of product, of R&D, of sales, of business, of revenue, of, of there's so many meetings. How he can attend all of them? How can he choose which one to attend and which one not? So the first thing we marked is communication. The second thing we marked is expanding his impact, so making him make more in a way, so cover more, attend more, hear more. And then we try to, to see what are the advantages that I bring to the table and can even complete him. And the other, all the time we had the feeling that all these weren't the first thing that happened in that meeting with the slides and, and the drawing on the whiteboard. Yeah. So we understood that a very important part is being his soundboard. He's throwing ideas at me and sometimes I agree and sometimes I can challenge him. What about, you know, if you go to that market and you say, would it be the same? And he answers me. And when he's answering, he's hearing himself answering me. So I'm kind of a soundboard for him. That's so awesome. Yeah. Sorry, keep going. No, no, no. So I think there's a lot of topics, but we actually mark this communication, expanding his reach and capabilities, and then being his soundboard as the main, the core uh, roles of this role for him, specifically for Z. Right. And just so people are that are listening to this are aware, um, talk a little bit about, I mean, you said you had 200 CSMs at the time. I think you've far surpassed that by now. The company's over a thousand people. So talk just a little bit about your 
your growth trajectory and why that's so important. Yeah. So now we are almost uh, 310 people globally, not only CSM, there's also ops and support, but the client services yeah. as an organization is, is about 300 people today. And, and this scale of, of uh, enabling them to be the best in their role and, and serve it in customers, it's a, it's a huge challenge. They are spread in 22 offices and don't, don't mention the last couple of years that changed everything. And now we have Gosh. people without an office working from somewhere around the globe and how to enable them. You know, the, 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 even the tech stack that they are using, they're using 16, 17 different tech tools on a daily basis. And you need to train them and you need to enable them. And, and, and they need to feel it's, it's smooth. It's not taking their time, right? They need to feel they're concentrated on the customers and not about the tech stack that they're using. And there are so many different items about managing such a complex organization. And the last thing I, I, I can say I do now, and, and this is something that is maybe the core of being a chief of staff today, Ziv has a staff. He has a leadership forum, not a lot of people, seven people. They lead all those departments. Some of them are regional leaders. Some of them are more professional leaders, but he has his seven leaders. Those people also manage a lot of people, right? It's not 300, yeah. they have 50, they have 60, they have 40 but they manage big groups. So they are super focused on the day-to-day, -day, solving problems, at, uh, I don't know, making sure nothing wrong is happening with the tier one customers and so on and so on. But when they come to us, they come to Ziv, they come to the leadership, we expect them to be much more strategic and to talk about strategy and to plan for the long term. And this is where I, the chief of staff is coming in setting the agenda for those calls and for those meetings and for those weekly reporting, how to keep it strategic and not too tactical. Their day-to-day -day is tactical and that's fine. But when they come to us and we look on the organization, we need to be strategic. How we make sure that we are treating different regions in, this, in the level of freedom they need to meet the local culture. And where do we need alignment globally so we can measure and have statistics and insights above the yeah. data because it will be too regional, we cannot compare. Right. So all these balances and, and really long-term thinking and keeping these stuff strategic, this is what I define today as my core role uh, in, in this team. How do you think about, that's such a uh, salient point for me too, because I, what people don't realize is when you, when you become a director or even a VP, in an organization that's growing that quickly and you have, you know, maybe a team, maybe a team of teams, you're still very much in a tactical day-to-day -day firefight, right? And your ability to grow as a leader, grow in the organization depends on your ability to step out of that firefight at least some portion of every week and think six months down the road. You don't have to go probably 18 months if you're you know, running a department like that, but you at least need to get out of your head and think about six months from now. So how do you, what is your meeting cadence that you use to sort of drive that? Do you, you have, you said you mentioned weekly sort of a tactical meeting each week, but like, what is your structure around that? Sure. So first of all, I think you said something very nice that when you're managing a lot of people and a lot of teams, this is where you become a bit more tactical. So the chief of staff in our organization, they are not managing any people. I have no one reporting to me. So I do not have these tactical issues. I look about the whole organization. 
And even Ziv is managing seven people and I'm not managing people. So I'm free to see those, what is happening in the same time in different regions. So how do we manage it? So first of all, we have a weekly doc that those leaders of Ziv are filling on a weekly basis. And the first thing I do is I'm filling our leadership, Ziv and myself reporting for them. And this is super strategic. I'm not saying anything that is tactical, getting four bullet points for this week. This is what Ziv done this week and what he will do next week. And then I'm sending it to them and expect to get the same from them. Only strategic things. As you said, not 18 months, but yes, six months ahead. What are they doing this week, next week? So this is on a, on a written uh, doc. And I'm also encouraging them to read others and to comment. And when that is happening, not every week it happens. It really depends on the workload. But when it happens, it's amazing. You actually yeah. see discussions happening on a dock of reporting of strategic actions, which is amazing. On top of that, we have a meeting, a, a weekly meeting that is on Zoom today because not everybody are in the same office. And I'm setting the agenda before. I'm talking with each one of them on our one-on-one if they have a topic that they want to raise next week. And then Ziv and myself decide if it's if it's strategic enough, it's if it's important enough for all of them to discuss. If not, we will manage that discussion on Slack. You can raise a tactical question on Slack and collect feedback, no problem at all. But when we meet once a week for one hour, we talk about the long term, we talk about the high impact, something that is relevant for all the participants in that meeting. So the weekly doc. And the meeting, these are the two things that we have. We have the channel on Slack to support that, that can be much more tactical. And we have our group on WhatsApp, which is much more social. You know, I'm on vacation, see my cake, see my kids. So oh, that's we're cool. also keeping another channel for more of a personal connection. Oh, that's us. good. That is really cool. Ziv and I communicate on WhatsApp and he's the only person that I communicate with on WhatsApp. Maybe, maybe one other, two other people every once in a while. But, um, but yeah, that, that makes sense. I love that structure. And I love the idea of the document. I used to work for a company and uh, the, the CEO every week, very, very similar, would, would actually make us submit, like, what are the three things you worked on last week? And what are you focused on this week? And everybody had to submit those before the meeting. It's great because people can catch up. There's so much of what we can do. And I love what you mentioned about the document being collaborative as well, people commenting on it, because you can do so much asynchronously these days. How do you turn that time you do have on the Zoom meeting together into something that's really valuable and really strategic? Frankly, I'm, I'm still working on that with, with my own team. Like, how do, we, how do we make that more strategic? But the takeaway there that I think I'm going to go try is really to, in my one-on-ones, solicit those topics. Hey, Gangoro team. Customer expectations are at an all-time high. In fact, in a recent survey, 50% of customers said they would purchase more from companies with better customer service. With this increase in customer demand for personalized service, most businesses and CRM platforms can't keep up. HubSpot's service hub is authentic, connected, and more importantly, easy to use. Featuring customer portals, SLA tracking, and custom surveys, HubSpot Service Hub empowers your teams to deliver customer-first experiences that deliver empathy at scale. Put your customer first with an easy, connected platform that delivers authentic service. Learn more about HubSpot's Service Hub at hubspot.com slash products slash service. 
So talk to me about, um, you, you mentioned technology, the, the technology stack that Ziv has put together is something that I know he is very proud of. I've seen, he's walked me through it on numerous occasions. I've watched him do it in webinars and whatnot. I mean, it's, it's really amazing what you all have put together, but talk to me about the balance of, you mentioned 16, 17 different apps that the teams have to interact with. What's the bet? You know, there's a whole class of companies out there selling these for success platforms that will consolidate a lot of that. So talk to me about how y'all think about that just conceptually. Why did you choose to go the route that you have gone and what do you see as the advantages of that approach? So I think the first thing I would say is courage, right? You need to be a bit of a courageous person to go, I'm not taking one size fits all full platform with everything, but I'll connect the different tools together. Um, but the advantages are clear. And now we can decide that that specific tool for that specific feature is not perfect and we can replace that and upgrade there or even take some very small startup that want to do a POC with us and to test their tool and then it will be much adjusted to our needs. So the advantages are very clear on the value for us and, and the fit for ourselves. The price that we are paying, of course, is the need to enable the team and to use yep. so many tools and also all the time to update and to fix and, and to change and APIs and connectors and so on. The thing that I love Ziv's answer around that, when everybody is asking, what would you do different in the past eight years? He has one answer. I would build the CS Ops two years before I built it, right? Oh, interesting. And yeah. <laughs> and we have almost 20 people in our CS Ops team, which is crazy amount of people. But this what give us the ability to manage so many tools in a, a very effective way. Because when it's enablement tools, I don't know, recording the, the calls, uh, connecting, uh, sharing uh, information and so on. So this on an enablement team, when it's data, when it's insight, so it's more the analytics team. So we have a specific team holding three, four, five, six different tools, each team, making sure they are optimized to our needs and also to enable the team to use it. And yes, we're changing tools sometimes. I think the last tool, we integrated was just eight months ago, and now we are looking for another tool. We just made a few tools that can be a potential candidates for that. So it gives us a lot of freedom, a lot of flexibility, a lot of adjustments to our needs. The price is that you need to invest a lot of efforts. So you need to decide yeah. where, where you want to go. Well, you end up getting something that is really specific to how you operate as a business too. And that, I mean, I have to believe that having that operating system for your, a lot of companies have customer success teams, certainly not 300 people, some, and they can't measure the value of that team. But I, in, in looking at some of the, I mean, Ziv is very, you know, he's very open about sharing the looker, the, the dashboards and the kind of pieces you put together. It's clear that you're measuring more than just gross retention right? Because you've got all this information on the relationship depth and the, and the, the, the level of contact that you have with the, the customer. So how do you think, we did talk about a little bit about KPIs, which we should dig into now as well, but there's the outcome, which is you know, net revenue retention. And you all brought that to your team, to your company, that focus, it sounds like, but how's that evolving over time relative to all the systems that you've put in and 
and all the all the enablement that you've done with the CSMs. So again, a big thank to Ziv. He's a freak of of data collecting, and <laughs> and and after a couple of months that I was in the role, one of the tools I didn't get value from it, and I told him, Ziv, why are we paying so much money for that tool? We're just collecting data, and he told me, Aurel, wait, collect the data, wait. Now, one year later, we have so much data from that tool and we can actually derive insights from it. And we know so much more. So it took us time and a lot of patience. And yeah, we pay some money on the way, but the data we collected now when it's aggregated and we have so much months of data, it gives us amazing insights. So that's on the part of, of using tools and collecting a lot of data points. And yes, we are collecting Sometimes I'm saying to myself, maybe we are collecting too many data points, <laughs> but there's not too many. You can choose which one to analyze and which one yeah. to compare. And, and, and of course, you can measure so many things on, on a CS side, right? The, the engagements, the level of engagement, who you engage on the other side, how often do you engage, what are the topics you engage around. So all this communication between a customer as a CSM, you can measure so many things only about that. Then you can also measure a lot of stuff internally. Uh, what tools they're attaching the CSMs on, on what frequent, uh, um, how frequently they're attaching those tools and, and who is using it and which region is using it. And we see also different adoption between the, the, the regions globally, which is amazing, right? Chinese people, it's different culture than the North America people. Yeah. So different tools behave differently in, in different regions. In the end of the day, while we were growing very rapidly, as I mentioned before, we didn't look a lot about the net retention revenue metric because the growth of AR was amazing. Also by percentage and also by, by, by value of dollar. So the, the process was let's grow. Let's grow the framework. The, the, the understanding was we are growing, everything is working well. Now we keep on growing very nicely, but as the core of the growth is based on the existing customers, we learned just a year ago that maybe net retention rate is the strongest metric for that because this is show you a healthy business, right? How yeah. he grow his customers. <clears throat> and, and SAS B2B, you know it very well. Each customer decides once a year, maybe sometimes twice, if to renew or not. Mm -hmm. And if to renew with a downgrade or with an upsell or a flat. And this is a decision all of our customers are doing every year. And how do you measure on an aggregated uh, way everything that you do maybe net retention rate is the strongest metric for that because you see how much money you make out of the existing customer year over year so we understood that around a year ago and we had a challenge that the rest of the organization didn't know a lot about net retention rate it wasn't something that a lot of people here were doing they were again busy sales were about selling product was about preparing products marketing about go to market with the products how do you teach them now a new metric, a new business metric that is so important for companies like us? So we went for a tour of presenting. Again, Ziv was doing some magic on the whiteboard. <laughs> I was side. Then we met each of those departments and presented what is NRR and also show them a lot of insights out of NRR. NRR per tier, NRR per region, yep. NRR per age of customer, NRR per the first package he bought. Was it with add-on or without an add-on? So there are so many ways to compare NRR and then 
they understood how impactful it is. Oh, so it's better to sell X than Y because they retain better a year after. This is amazing to know. And also marketing understood what are they selling on, on, the, on the dream, right? The marketing is the first thing that the customer is meeting, is, is meeting a brand, a service that the brand yeah. is offering. Now they understand what they need to sell in that marketing activity in the beginning, because a year and a half after, in the first renewal, what the, this customer was expecting to achieve in that year. So we did a tour of two months presenting NRR and all the metrics around it and presented the impact on the business. And then we got the buy-in from the rest of the company that this was an amazing business metric for us. It's very lagging. There's a lot of issues around NRR yep. that we need to understand when discussing NRR. But in the end of the day, it's an amazing metrics to, sow, to see your business health. Now, did your, did your finance team already, were they already looking at it and you all just sort of snapped into that and then the re- got the rest of the organization aligned with it? Because, I mean, that's a, it's a core metric from a valuation perspective as well. Definitely, definitely. And we had a, a few nice uh, IPOs happening in Israel in the last couple of years. And this was also making yeah. us understand and we read the, the reports and we saw that most of them had an amazing NRR while they submitted the documents. When you, we understood that this is a very strong tool for evaluation when you go to IPO. So definitely now finance are aligned and they're pushing us to improve NRR and they're trying to understand which part of the business can be impacted to improve NRR. And this yeah. is an amazing new approach that the whole business is around. How to improve NRR for next year, for the year after. Uh, so yes, they're all with us. They're all on board that that that's a really interesting point that you make and i was mentioning uh when we were prepping as well that i just got back from a from a conference at, with, with Tatango out in california and you know the big theme that i took away from that which is you know really the theme of the way i think about customer success is how do we get the rest of the organization rallied around it and have everyone doing their part so if you have a net you know you have a target of net retention of just call it 120% like their product has a role in that, right? The way you design and deploy the products is really important. The way you sell the initial deal is really important. The way, to your point, <laughs> the way you market it, very, very important. Um, and in the big thing, so I'm a, I'm a, I'm just a software geek. And one of my favorite authors, favorite books is Crossing the Chasm. You ever read that book? No, not yet. Oh, I, you, I oh you're going to love this. Just waiting for me for one okay, day. Okay. All right. Good. Well, I got to, I got to hear Jeff Moore speak at this conference this week. It was really cool. He's really good. And the big thing that he sort of said is don't reorganize your custo- your company around customer success, reorient your company around it, reorient every department you already have around customer success, get the right people in who understand what it means it's a cross-functional game we're playing, right? And it's like a, it's like a soccer team or a football, football team, whatever your preferred language is. You, you cannot win with one team trying to, to score, right? You have to have a, a coordinated effort across different people with different skill sets at different positions on the field. So that, that is really interesting. What, what's, what's something that has, since, since you've, you've, you've shifted to this focus in NRR, What's one change you've seen happen outside of the customer success organization as a, as a result of that, that shifting impact? So I think I'll, I'll, 
a lot of, of different teams shifted their mindset and so on, but maybe if I need to point to someone that did a major change, that's the product team. Yeah. The product understood a few different things when we started talking about NR with them. First is how important is the first few months of the adoption. We showed them that quick adoption, very fast value realization and, and, and getting value from the platform is giving an amazing net retention rate. It was easy to, to split it, right? Long onboarding and short onboarding, and let's see the NRR in two years. So, and they understood that they need to be more self-serve product and to improve the onboarding on their side. And there's a lot of different add-ons that we are selling, different features and so on. You know, some of them are growing by themselves as, as an on own because the customer is increasing his activity and he pays more for that add-on. But other add-ons, it's a fixed price. They do not grow. And then we show them for NRR, those products that do not grow, it's a fixed price. They do not contribute to NRR. They can only decrease it because there's no upsell. They can be churned down there, but there's no upsell. So they understood that all their approach when building a new product should be something that can grow with your customer. If they want to get more value, they can pay more for it. And that's fine. If they don't, it's also fine. They can yeah. keep the same price and get the value that they get before. So I think the change in mindset in the product team was amazing. And we see it all the time. We are much closer to them today than we were before. Our feedback is much more important for them than sales feedback. They were very sales oriented before. They collected feedback from sales. What is easy to sell and what is hard to sell? Now they're asking us what is easy to grow and what is hard to oh, grow. Oh, that this is, is powerful. Amazing. That's great. That, that's awesome. And there's nothing more powerful than having your product and engineering team aligned with that mindset. I, I mean, to me, customer success starts in two places and you just mentioned them both. It's the product and it's the onboarding, right? It, yep. it, rapid onboarding. So, so cool. Um, let's see, what else have we not covered? Um, so, so many good, good areas we've hit. I, I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Um, what's, what's one thing since you, since you've taken on this, this role, what's one thing, like what, one of your biggest learnings so far in, in as chief of staff and in a company that's growing as fast as, as apps flyer is, and, you know, working with a mad scientist like Ziv, like what's your, what's your biggest takeaway so far, your biggest learning. So I think that you, you said it in the middle that what are you doing? What is chief of staff, right? And, and a lot of people were raising that question when they heard that Ziv is taking a chief of staff. What is that? Is it a personal assistant? No, I'm not handling his calendar. So why does he need that role? And I think the whole organization, now that we have five different chief of staff uh, operating in AppSlyer, they, and, and that's a proof of concept, right? It's, it's yeah. working. After one, we had the second, then the third. Now we have five different team members doing that. They understood that the, the C-level management is so busy with three different directions. Down, managing people. Parallel, their, uh, their, their different C-level uh, um, team members. And up, the CEO. So they don't have time to do everything they need because of that structure. And if they have only one person free of daily task of managing people to help them to be more effective can increase their impact on the business and the whole department. And it's different people. We are very different people, all the chief of staff. 
Uh, if you will sit with all of us in one, uh, one lunch, you will say, okay, you are a different character. <laughs> But I think we are, each one of us are amazing match to his chief in a way. Yeah. Because this is the magic. You need to, to, to match him and to have a nice relationship that can give impact to the business. So I think in general, after you get to a certain size, When the sea level is so busy about reporting discussion talking and, and and talking with so many different team members they need help that will be very focused on strategy and impact and it was an amazing lesson for us as a company and i would recommend that to any company in a similar stage between i don't know 700 people to 2000 people think about the sea level see if they have the same impact as they had before and yeah. if they don't think about how to increase their impact There's two things that stuck out to me about what you just said. One is um, that you know people think that the C-level folks are the bosses, right? But everybody's got a boss, even the CEO. The CEO is answering to investors, answering to the market. So it's really it, it's really helpful, you can see, to have someone who's helping you drive the strategy in other directions where you're not focused at that moment because you don't have a choice in these executive positions. You have to focus on all up, down, and sideways, like you put it, which is good. Um, the second thing is, it's, is the, one of the most important things I think we can be doing right now is being good people leaders. If you're a people leader, you got to be a good people leader. Like it's never been more important. I don't think in the, at least in the 20 some years that I've been working to, to, to be a good people leader and to, to drive that engagement with your team and really focus on that. So if a chief of staff allows you to To be a better people leader, whether you're a CEO or a chief customer officer or a director of something like that, that's a win. That's a win for everybody. So, yeah, yeah, that's totally true. And there's some days, you know, that I come to Ziv and I say, look, we must make more time for you to lead the leaders. So tell me which meetings can we postpone because you need two hours this week to invest in your leaders. And I know who of them feel more neglected. So let's do that. So definitely so true. People managing is so important. And I see my impact there. And I hope people will take chief of staff will focus on that because as you said, the most important part. Absolutely. Well, this has been awesome. Aurel. I, I really appreciate you taking the time to do it. This is the end of your week, right? So tomorrow's Friday, yeah. you're, you're, you're done yeah. for the weekend. So you got any, you're any my last meeting of the week. All right. Well, I, I'm keeping you from your family and maybe a drink or a nice dinner. So I'll, I'll let you, you know get me. There. You know what I love. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. You, you have any plans this weekend to go to go out to a nice dinner? Yes, definitely. It's a, it's a holiday in Israel. It's a Purim holiday. We all wear costumes. It's a bit of similar to Halloween in, uh, in, in your country. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah. So there are plans for parties and for dinners and a bit of drinks. So looking forward. Awesome. Well, I'm going to let you get to it. Thank you so much for your time. And we'll talk soon. Thank you, Jay. Hey, everybody. Jay here. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. You know, this started as a labor of love for Jeff and I a couple of years ago, and it's really turned into a movement around customer success and community, and we couldn't be more thrilled to be a part of it. Um, we grow this by word of mouth, so we'd, we'd love it if you're willing and you find value in what you hear on this podcast. Leave us a rating or a review on, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It'll help us grow and, and provide value to more customer success professionals. Also, if you haven't yet, please sign up for Gain, Grow, Retain, the online community. 
It's gangrowretain.com. You can meet other people, make one-on-one connections, share ideas, get ideas, grow your career ultimately. Um, Be on the lookout also for live events, both in-person and virtual this year. We're excited to get back to that. And thanks for being part of the community. We look forward to talking to you soon. Hey guys, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a moment and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Talk to you soon.